Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our pastors, Zach Raymond. Hi, my name is Zach. If you're, if you're watching this online, don't adjust your set. No, I'm not that Zach. I'm the original one. It's not a joke, I am, seriously. Look how old I am. You gotta, you gotta know I was named Zach long before he was named Zach, right? You know this. Names are important sometimes because if you're ever asked to preach, you don't want to ever have this name in your text, Judas. You know, that's like, thanks, Jim. You know, you could have preached the one on Judas and I could have had yours on the beautiful communion time with Jesus. It would have been sweet. But I'm not hurt. I just want you to know, Jim. Um, the sermon is about betraying Jesus. I mean, the text is, but that isn't what the sermon's about. What, so I want you to look at the text with me. Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. Now the feast of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put Jesus to death, for they were afraid of the people. And Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the crowd. So I could focus, you know, on and Satan entered Judas because those... Those just seem to jump off the page. Those were Satan entered Judas to me. But I looked at the verbs that Jesus, uh, Judas's actions in this passage stood out to me as that's a possible way to actually have something I could work with, you know, Jim, something to work with from this passage. So look at these verbs. See what G Judas did. Uh, verse four, it says, he went away. He had been with the disciples and with Jesus. He goes the other direction. He went away and he discussed. He decides to have an open-hearted, I'm going to share my deepest thoughts and feelings with someone. He discussed with the chief priests and uh, the uh, officers. He, just something they didn't find out in first service. It's different groups of people here. In verse uh, 2, it was the chief priests and scribes that were conspiring but when Judas goes, it's the chief priests and officers. They switch from, they switch from the scribes over to officers for a reason. Uh, scribes deal with their teachers. So he, Judas was moving away from, we don't need so many teachers. We need, we need some guns. You know, we need some soldiers here. So they got, went to the temple guard and said, anyway, he went away. He discussed with Jesus' uh, enemies. And verse 6, the Fourth thing, and this is the main thing I get out of this, he consented. Judas consented. 
And then he began seeking an opportunity. So out of that, I formed four questions for myself. That this whole message, if you get the four questions and you take them to heart, you got the whole message, I think. But the four questions I ask myself, based upon those four verbs, what direction am I heading? Toward Jesus? Away from Jesus? More loyal? Maybe, maybe my direction is not so good. What direction am I heading? Number two, what type of person, with what type of person do I have confidential discussions? Who is it I go to with my doubts and my hurts? Who do I go to? And to what ideas do I consent? Are these going to build me up, these ideas? What kind of things do I consent to? And number four, what opportunities am I seeking? We should be seeking opportunities to be loyal uh, to Jesus Christ. So before we launch into that, Luke puts this passage into a context that is completely uh, necessary for us to understand why Judas. Uh, why is he doing this? Luke wants you to understand that this is taking place at a time of Passover. Have you went to Sunday school long enough to remember what Passover was? They were coming out of the land of Egypt. Some of you went to Sunday school. Or at least used the Read Scripture app. I, I remember reading that. Uh, so in Passover, they were coming out of Egypt, but the theme was deliverance. The theme was the sacrifice of a lamb so that they could be celebrate their freedom, their deliverance. It was a theme of redemption and sacrifice. And so Luke is putting right here for you to see this picture of Passover. Everybody's celebrating liberation, deliverance, redemption. Here's Jesus preparing to go to the cross for your redemption, your deliverance, for, to be your deliverer. So that's, Luke wants to make sure that you guys have got that connection that surrounds this whole plot between the chief priests and Judas, this amazing parallel. So as Israel celebrates the Passover, deliverance from Egypt, the Jewish religious leaders are conspiring to murder Jesus, who would be our great deliverer. But all that they needed for their success in this is just their lucky break. And their lucky break comes in a guy with the name Judas. Everybody say Judas. Judas. All right, now I don't know what you think of when you think of Judas. The chief priest probably thought of Judas as, well, he's, he's the inside guy. The scripture here very clearly says Judas was one of the dodeca, which is one of the 12. That was, he was a special member, insider with Jesus. At least they thought he was that. Membership doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Judas had the membership. He had a better membership status than you. Go ahead, pull out your CPC membership card, look at it. Judas had a better one, member of the Dodeca. I'm, I'm with Jesus, man. Nobody's got that card but Judas and 11 other guys. But membership doesn't guarantee you're automatically going to be a follower of Jesus. Look where he ended up. 
Jesus uh, trusted Judas. He looked at Judas differently than you and I do. We're on the other end of the story. Judas was in a different place before the betrayal. In fact, um, in order to understand the way that Jesus viewed Judas' name, I want you guys to look at uh, Judas' name. We add an S onto it. It doesn't always have an S. In fact, in, in the, the Greek text I was using in my studies, it didn't have an S on the name here. It had an N, Judan. But uh, in fact, even in reading in English, you guys, did you guys know I've never seen in Hebrew or in my Greek a J sound? So any, like if you read Joshua, it's Yahshua instead in Greek or Jesus or for, uh, in Greek. Same thing here that we don't have an S sound on the end and it, probably not a J. So his name is Judah or Yehuda. So I thought, well, let's look up and find out some Judas. Everybody say Judah. It's, that's what the name actually was. So I looked up and thought, what are some Judas that we can compare? What, how was this name looked at by Jesus? Here's what uh, I came up with. I looked up, I found out that there's a little bitty town between Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana called Judah. Anybody ever been to Judah? I think I've been there, but I didn't know I was there. I didn't know it was. We just drove through. Uh, And then Lou Wallace, an author, uh, a statesman. uh, He's buried down here in Crawfordsville. Did I just point south? No, I don't know. Um, He wrote a book about a character whose name was Judah Ben-Hur. And then... Charlie and Sean named one of their kids Judah. Same name as Judas. But you didn't know that. And those have nothing to do with this message except that those three show to us that even today Judah is a strong name. It's still a a name that's well thought of. But to Jesus, this is what Jesus thought when Jesus said his name. Jesus thought of the sons of Jacob. Remember Jacob? God named him Israel. And his fourth son by Leah was named Judah or Yehuda. And uh, Jesus would have known that story ever since he was a little kid. He would have known the story of Jacob and his fourth son, Judah. And then a whole tribe got named after Judah. Do you guys know that? There were 12 tribes. Hold up 12 fingers. You'll need your friend's help for that. There were 12 tribes and one of them was named after Judah. And it's a, it's a very, very important tribe because that family, that tribe included, later on, we have King David. He was a member of that tribe of Judah. So Jesus would have been very familiar with the importance of this name. He would have honored this name, Judah. Um, that tribe, when the kingdom split after Solomon, we had 10 tribes north. We had Benjamin and Judah in the south. They consolidated. The northern tribes were called Israel. The bottom two uh, were called Judah, uh, Judea. It was another name the Romans gave it as well. In the times of Christ, the Romans came through and they took basically everything south of Galilee. Uh, you had Samaria. You had a Judah, you have uh, Idumea, 
And they, the Romans put that all in one big province, one big state, and they, it was called Judea. So at the time of Christ, where did he live? Uh, he lived in Galilee, but he traveled to Jerusalem through Judea. So he knew it was an important name. Basically, uh, it was also a very heroic name. There was a hero, a Jewish priest, who about, well, just a, in a century or two before Christ, the Greeks had shut down Jerusalem and the temple worship. And this priest, his name was Judah Maccabee or Yehuda HaMaccabi. He came in and led a revolt. Uh, they tore down the Greek idols. They cleansed and sanctified the temple and temple sacrifices restored. That's why in Jesus' time, they had the temple back because of the hammerer. Judah Maccabee was his name. So Jesus was familiar historically during the second temple period about the temple worship. And it was all because of this great name, Judah. All right. Then, not only that, Yehudim, if you make it plural, Yehudim is the name for, it means Jew. The entire group of people have that name. Jew means, it comes from Judah. Yehudim is the is. All the people. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was also called uh, the son of David. And he was also called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So this was a very personal, very important, very famous name to Jesus. Now today we've kind of, we have it differently. That's not exactly how it went. Oh, I left out one important one. I got to make sure I always stop to look at my notes. Jesus' brother was named Judah. Uh, he wrote a little book in our New Testament right there before the book of Revelation. You guys know what they call it? They shortened it to Jude. Yeah, same, same name. So Jesus was familiar with this name. Uh, I went ahead and looked up synonyms for Judas. And this is what uh, my app says. Betrayer, conspirator, deceiver, Rat. Turncoat, two-timer. So uh, you girls, you can call somebody Judas. You can use the word as a description, all right, for a two-timer. Weasel. You're a weasel. You're a rat. you Judas. A backstabber. Um, if you're lucky enough to be my Facebook friend... <laughs> Not very many of you are. <laughs> it came up this week. Uh, you know, it tells you, I don't, you guys know what the Facebook is? It's, it's this thing on the computer. And you can put, you type stuff in there and it makes people mad. It's amazing. <laughs> Normally I can't get people mad until I come up and preach. But I can, I can just do it right online now. That'll tick them off right there. That'll put him in a good mood the rest of the day. All right. But this came up as one of my memories or something, whatever they call those. I'm not good at the Facebook. So this was, this was a post I made a year ago. I have many friends named Pete, because that's in the Testament, you know, Simon Peter. Pete, Andy, Andrew. And in this church, Andrew is a very popular name. 
Andrew. I have friends named Jim. Come from James. Did you, Jim, did you know this? It isn't actually James in the New Testament. We, we added that, I think because the King James helped trans, you know, he helped fund some of that. It's actually Jacob is the name of that book. Jacob, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, I have friends named Pete, Andy, Jim, John, Phil, uh, Nate, Matt, Tom, and Paul. But I don't have any friends named Judas. So how did Judas transform from one of the most revered names in the history of Judaism, Judaism, how did he transform from a person who, with that good name, to being the weasel and the rat that we think of him as? Ruined the name. So, and that's why in English we, we separate them out. You know, it's all the same word. There's Jude and there's Judas and there's Judah and we don't treat them like they're the same because we, we don't want anybody to be called Judas. We do call people that name, but we, as Christians we probably shouldn't be having those thoughts about other people uh, to use that name. So how did he make this amazing transformation just one step at a time is how he did it. Um, Luke 6.16 says that Judas was one of the dodeca, that's the 12. He, Judas, one of the dodeca, became a traitor. He wasn't born that way. He didn't join Jesus that way. He became a traitor. It was just one selfish decision and one self-centered action at a time. Now, as you look at that passage, uh, don't get hung up on that phrase that jumped out at me, and Satan entered Judas. I like to say it that way, you know, because for drama. And Satan entered Judas. Don't get hung up on that. I had a, I had a friend, Mike, that he would tell me Judas was framed. He didn't have a choice. Satan controlled him. Look at the passage. Which is it true? Was Satan in him, or did... Did Judas consent to this? Which is it? They're both true. See what I'm saying? It's still, uh, there used to be a guy, those of you that are old enough to remember Clearo Wilson Jr., also known as Flip Wilson, in the 1970s. Tony, are you that old? You remember Flip Wilson? What was the name of the character when he dressed in drag? What was her name? Geraldine. Geraldine. Yay, Tony. Tony do. <laughs> Geraldine, and Geraldine would go out and buy a new dress, you know, and she would say, the devil made me buy this dress. I don't want to do the voice, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do the voice. But Flip Wilson had this saying, the devil made me do it. And I think a lot of people would laugh, but they'd think that seriously, I'm not responsible. The devil gives me these ideas and I just have to do what he says. Judas was responsible for his decisions and for his actions that destroyed his good name. So don't get hung up on that. Neither the foreknowledge of God nor the presence of Satan relieved Judas of the responsibility for his own decisions and actions. And some of us 
I think Judas was pretty self-centered. Look at all the scriptures on him. He's a self-centered man. Some of us make decisions in the same way. We make decisions based upon self-centered motives, upon selfish uh, feelings, and we act on those things. And sometimes we try to say we're doing what's right. I know that these religious leaders who wanted to kill Jesus, I know they thought Judas was doing the right thing. Oh, you're doing the right thing. Um, I'm, I could almost hear him say that these days, right? We call ourselves Christians. Have you ever spelled Christians? How do you, what are the first six letters in the word Christian? Christ. You carry the name of Christ. Judah might be a great name. But man, what is better than being named after Jesus Christ? It's only three times in the, in the Bible ever found. It says the disciples were first called Christians. And those was that followed Jesus. But we've changed it. It, it no longer just means those that follow Jesus. We've watered it down to the point now. Uh, a Christian is anybody who ever raised their hand in church. You guys want to, everybody raise your hand. All right, you all raise your hand in church. You must all be Christians now. You're all followers of Jesus. Uh, you're making disciples. You're living a holy life. All right, we're done. See how we've, we've watered it down. To, if you just raised your hand in church, that makes you a Christian. Or some people think because you're born in Indiana. Somehow that makes you a Christian. You know who the governor was there one time? Yeah, I know. All right. That doesn't make anybody a Christian at all. Any more than Judas's membership in the Dodeca made him a faithful follower. But we need to come back to the point where the name of Christ means something to us, to me. That I will stand for, I won't let any of my decisions, I will not let my actions tarnish the name of Christ that I bear. And I want us to reach that point. Judas, Judas opened his heart, though, to the enemies of Jesus Christ. He didn't open it just to Satan, but also to these religious leaders that wanted to murder Jesus. And he left, says he left the Dodeca, the Twelve, and he sought out a conversation someplace else. If you're loyal to Jesus... Take your doubts to godly people. Don't take them anywhere else. Now, I think Judas probably had misunderstandings about who Jesus intended to be. Uh, he thought Jesus was to be a deliverer. But if James and John could misunderstand where Jesus was going, James and John had this idea somehow that Jesus was going to like take over or drive out the Romans. But Jesus would rule and they wanted to sit with him, so they sent their mommy over and said come on mom to ask him tell him to give us special seats up there with him look if James and John can mess it up Judas probably misunderstood or had his own notions of Jesus setting up some type of an earthly kingdom and Jesus did not have any intentions of setting up an earthly materialistic kingdom where he would be honored by all the people that wasn't what was going to go on Judas was not supplied by Jesus with the emotional satisfaction that he sought for. 
and Judas was disappointed and hurt. I believe this. I know I would be if I had the, uh, these types of feelings. Oh man, he's going to make me rich. He's going to make me famous. People do this even t- to this day. I don't know what, what's wrong with God. He didn't make me rich and famous or good looking. <laughs> I could have been good looking. But instead, you got this. Does God know what he's doing? There, but there are some serious issues that people have. They, get, they act like they're hurt by God somehow. They're personally disappointed. So Jesus, Judas decided to take his hurt feelings, to take his disappointments and go talk to somebody and he looked for somebody that would sympathize with him. If you, listen to me carefully, if you are ever hurt by someone at the church, don't go seeking out sympathizers. We got them, plenty of them. I can give you a list if you want, but don't do it. Don't go to the enemies of Jesus and say, hey, oh, look, they were mean to me over that church. They didn't shake my hand when I came in the door and they didn't give me money when I asked for, you know, there's a, I can just, it goes on. You know what I'm saying? Don't take your hurts and your disappointments to the enemies of Jesus. I think Judas went to them because he was more in agreement with them than he was in agreement with the disciples. His heart had been changed by this point in his life, piece by piece, until he finally was in agreement with them. He was completely bent towards their ideology. Now, I always recommend... And I enjoy that a firmly planted believer have, an open, have open discussions with unbelievers. I don't think you should go to unbelievers and talk about how badly things are going for you in your spiritual walk right now. Don't seek out sympathizers for your bad attitude. I, I seek out... Uh, unbelievers to talk to people I think that hate me they hate my church they hate my Jesus they hate my Bible and I try to talk to them I seek that out not seeking sympathy for my hurt feelings or my bad thoughts or my negativity what I'm looking for is an opportunity where that I can be kind and loving and share God's grace with somebody that hasn't experienced it yet that's all that's what I'm looking for I know I don't want to become so insulated surrounding myself with only people that are just like me anyway let me get back to this so Judas was not going there for evangelism he was going to these enemies of Jesus because he wanted their approval not to convert them so this is what I would say to you share your faith with unbelievers with skeptics with atheists but share your doubts and your hurts with Followers of Jesus that you can trust to provide edification, to build you up in your faith. Do not seek out sympathizers. If you find someone to agree with you, it doesn't mean anything. Judas didn't actually have any actual charges against Jesus. But he knew that these guys had some money, they had some bad attitude, and they had some power. So, But they still... The truth and facts don't matter in these kind of situations when a person brings themselves under godly influence. So if I want you to be loyal to Jesus and not consent 
to ungodly influences. That's what I think would be the thing to do here. So believe it or not, in this passage I found two words that are also used in Luke chapter 10 that are words that relate to celebration and rejoicing. In verse 5, it says that the chief priests and the officers were glad. We're glad is, a, is an understatement. In Luke 10.20, Jesus, uh, the same word is used by Luke in this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. It's a word for joy. It doesn't say they were glad. After Judas left, they were singing. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We're going to kill Jesus. It's a special kind of evil when you bring joy to others by being disloyal to Jesus. The second word that I see joy and celebration in is verse 6. It says, so he consented. The word consent is in Luke 10, 21. The other one was Luke 10, 20. This word's in Luke 10, 21. At the very time he rejoiced greatly, not that one. That is another word for rejoice, not part of this sermon. Pretend I didn't say that. Okay, at that very time he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Jesus wasn't just saying, praise the Lord. Jesus was celebrating what his disciples had just experienced and Judas consented it meant that he was enjoying this he gave his consent holy spirit convict me if I ever consent to things that take me away from Jesus if I ever take joy in decisions or actions that draw me away from God. And actually, you, we have noticed Judas giving his consent here just little by little. In John 12, 6, we see this progression of him becoming the traitor. Uh, Judas, it says in John 12, 6, Judas would help himself. Isn't it funny, people that want to blame the devil, they, have no they say, I can't help myself, you know. But Judas did. He helped himself to the money that wasn't his. So we see that he was starting out in some small things to being disloyal to Jesus. A little stealing, a little self-centeredness. He liked the silver. You know, what can you say? And then when we get to John chapter 13, we get the idea that Judas is already toying with the idea. He's playing with the idea. He's entertaining this idea of betraying Jesus. His selfishness gained hold. It grew to an attitude of animosity toward Jesus. And then it grew to him seeking out a discussion with the enemies of Jesus. People who wanted to murder Jesus. And then his heart was open to Satan. And then he betrayed Jesus for some money. And then he watched as he as Jesus was tortured and brutally killed, he consented. It takes you further than you think it'll take you. And don't you wish, Steve, don't you wish that every temptation 
to sin, don't you wish you had to sign a consent form first? Right? You say, whoa, wait a minute here, because I know you sign contracts. Well, you probably don't as much anymore. I'll bet you didn't sign a whole lot of contracts, did you? you really just, the handshake is all it took, right? Well, the, like these kids are doing, the teenagers are doing some stuff. They have to have these permission slips, all right? So the, they come home and the parents say, slow down a little bit. I know you're all excited, but let me read this. So what if we had permission slips for when temptation of sin comes? We'd start reading and say, hey, look at the fine print right here. May result in guilt, resentment, bitterness, anxiety, and eternal death. I ain't signing this. But that's not what happens with temptation. Greg, we don't have to sign a form. We just give our consent. It's too easy to give our consent to things that distract us from what we ought to be thinking about for God to what we ought to be doing for God. It's too easy. So do we consent to things that lead us toward a greater loyalty to Jesus When you're asked to participate in something that dishonors Jesus Christ or smears that good name that you wear so proudly, do you consent? Christians are followers of Jesus. Christians do what Jesus says to do. That's what makes us Christians. So say yes to Jesus. I will be loyal to Jesus. We used to sing a song because I'm really old. We'd sing, I'll go where you want me to go dear lord i'll be what you want me to be consenting to jesus means not giving consent to wrong influences and to our own selfish interests and our own selfish desires when you're loyal to jesus your small sacrifice to those things doesn't even compare to his great sacrifice does it judas was loyal to himself What a contrast. Here we have the Judas betraying Jesus and Jesus preparing himself to be a sacrifice, to lay his life down unselfishly and sacrifice himself for us on the cross to bring us deliverance, liberation, forgiveness, and salvation like they were celebrating on Passover. Judas was seeking an opportunity. Judas was thinking, what's in this for me? How about a little bit of silver? Wasn't thinking very far. When a person comes to Jesus, I don't think that they ask, well, what's in this for me? I know, I know salvation, forgiveness is, is there for us, but that isn't. That isn't really what it's about. It's giving your life to Jesus Christ. We used to sing another old song. Do you remember that one? All for Jesus, all for Jesus. Did you ever sing that one? I used to sing that with my whole heart. I want, I want to, I belong to Jesus. I'm all of me for Jesus. If you're the kind of person that asks, what's in it for me? You're going to run into some major philosophical differences between you and Jesus. A follower of Jesus is not someone who just adds Jesus onto your normal agenda. I'm just going to do the thing I want to do, and then at the end we'll say a prayer. God will bless it. I think you guys all know that. 
when you take the name of Jesus, when you take the name of Christ, you belong to him. He owns you. So you're going to give everything to Jesus. I will be loyal to Jesus and to Jesus alone. Whatever your plan was, set it aside. We'll find out what God's plan is. I will sacrifice my own selfish interests, my own selfish desire. I will consecrate my personal resources for the cause of Christ. I will give my consent to the Holy Spirit to change me into a true follower of Jesus Christ. I will lift up the precious name of Christ in my decisions and my behavior. I will be loyal to Jesus. I'm going to ask some of you to make a first-time commitment to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it just like I do with the little kids. We're going to, in a minute, we're all going to stand. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'll say something. You repeat it after me. And I want you to take this opportunity if you're not following Jesus Christ, if you're not loyal to Jesus Christ, I want you to make that commitment today. Not because you get to sit on a throne, or you get to be famous and rich, but to know that I want to follow Jesus. He died for my sins. I want to give my whole life to him to serve Jesus Christ. And then after we pray we're going to have a chance for you to tell somebody before you leave tell somebody today I made a commitment today that I'm not ashamed of I made a hard decision to follow Jesus to be loyal to Jesus and then there there are also some of you that need to pray this with them because you're you're like the sometimes followers I follow Jesus you know And I want you to make a recommitment that I will be loyal to Jesus Christ. I will be true to his name. I will follow Jesus wholeheartedly, all of me. So when we're done, then you'll have a chance to tell someone that I've made that commitment. Let's all stand. Just like in children's church. I won't make you do one, two, three. All right, but would you close your eyes and would you repeat after me? Everybody, everybody in the room, repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart so that I can work for Jesus Jesus you are my deliverer you are my savior I pledge my life to you I will be loyal to Jesus I belong to Jesus heart and soul mind and body I will be loyal to Jesus. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.